you haven't. I heard it about three years ago. It's called Thin Places. Um, Thin Places means um, the Celtic Christians uh, coined the phrase. So a thin place was a reference to the place where the, the boundary between God and man seemed especially small. The boundary between God and man seemed especially small. So they called it a thin place. Um, And so there are, if you Google that or search for it, you'll find thin places on the Internet, okay? And um, not everything that has to do with thin places is I would endorse, okay? Uh, Some of it's a little bit too mystical for me. But I will say this, so the Scottish island Iona, has anybody ever been there? Or maybe even know what I'm talking about. So if you look at that, that is considered a kind of a, a special site that Christians would like to go to to meet with God, experience God. Okay, some, maybe it's Rome, right? Okay, uh, they'll make a pilgrimage there. So uh, when we talk about a thin place or sacred places, it's that spot maybe where God meets with you and it's that boundary between God and man seems small, and it's just a place that we can easily connect with God. So I think there's a lot that's rolled into that. Um, It's mentioned in Scripture. I think there's a lot of things, not thin places as mentioned, or sacred places, but we see the concept there. So I'm just going to list a few things here. For Adam and Eve, it was the... The garden, right. For Moses, it was... Mountain, Mount Sinai, right? And even the tent of meeting later, after they would have the tent of meeting. For Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it was, this might be harder, it'd be Bethel, so we're going to talk about that. For the Israelites in the wilderness, it was the tabernacle. And then in Jerusalem, it was the temple. For Jesus and the disciples, it was Mount Carmel, not Mount Carmel, I put Mount, yeah, I had it right, Mount of Olives, not Mount Carmel, I saw something else, Mount of Olives, remember they would go up on the hillside into the the garden there on the Mount of Olives, that's where Jesus would spend a lot of time there, that was a special place for them, Um, and so those are all places that we see in scripture where God would meet with people, and there was something about that location, that geography that God would meet with them there. And I don't always know all the theology behind that. All I know is that God uses some of these special places in our life where we connect with Him. And so I'm going to talk about a few more that um, have impacted my life. So Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22, before we dive in, let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that is the living Word of God that is able to speak to us right now, right here, Lord. Um, it is more than words on a page. It is your holy word to us. And so, Lord God, we pray that you would speak to us. And these moments we have together, we ask it in your name. Amen. Verse 10, it says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. So you have the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and then you have Jacob, right? All right. And Jacob was, his name means deceiver, heel catcher, deceiver. So he He had a twin brother named Esau, right? And so they were born, and um, it was always kind of a competition between the two of them. And so um, Jacob would actually deceive his brother twice, okay? He would get his 
uh, the birthright, and then he would get his father's blessing. So after getting his father's blessing deceptively, it's kind of a little tense around the household because mom liked Jacob, father liked Esau. And so mom says, you know what, it's probably time for you to leave the house, go up to my relatives, and maybe you can find a wife up there. And he gets the father's blessing and he goes. So as he's on his route all by himself going up northern parts, he's going on this long road trip. So he's going from southern Israel, Beersheba, up into the, would be beyond northern Israel, Padam Aran, okay? So distance over 100 miles on foot by himself. Okay, and back in those days, there was no security. There was no police people. It's just kind of the wild, wild west, all right? And so he begins to make his journey. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Okay, you've heard the song, you know, stone for a pillow. Um, And he laid down to sleep. And he had a dream. And he saw a stairway resting on earth, and its top was reaching to heaven. Okay, so we're talking about this thin boundary between heaven and earth. And he saw this stairwell resting on earth and going up into heaven, reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he says, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and of God of Isaac, and I will give you and your descendants the land in which you are lined. So that would, we use that term promised land. So the Israelites actually wouldn't get that until under the leadership of Joshua. But it was promised to them. Verse 14, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He just thought he was stopping for the night. And he was afraid and says, how awesome is this this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. It's a portal, right? (laughs) After all, the, the dream he had, right? Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head, put it up as a pillar, poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I will return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. Very conditional, isn't it? So at this point in his life, he isn't sure that if he's going to serve God or not. But he says, God, if you will bless me, if you will come through with all that you said in the dream, then you will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you have given me, I will give you a tenth. And so there's that reference to tithing all the way back in the Old Testament there. If you jump ahead to chapter 31, 13, we see then Jacob goes to back to his mom's relatives. He does find a, a wife there. In fact, he meets Rachel from the very get-go. She's a redhead, I believe, and, and he thinks she's just absolutely beautiful. And so he works seven years to 
get her hand in marriage and all to find out he gets to the wedding night and he wakes up in the morning and finds out he gets her sister Leah instead of <laughs> Rachel. And then it's a little deception there, right? He got a taste of his own medicine. So then he enjoys the week with Leah and then he also gets Rachel. And so you have, he marries both um, sisters, the daughters there of Laban. And he works for Laban, his father-in-law, for many years. And Laban has this trickery going about him as well. And so he keeps switching Jacob's wages because God is blessing him. And so God blesses Jacob and Laban says, I have to do something different. So he switches, hey, you get the spotted sheeps, I get the white ones. And he kept trying to change it. But no matter what Laban does, God continues to bless Jacob. And finally God says, to Jacob, it's time. Verse 13 of chapter 31, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Go back to Bethel. Go back to where I met you. And so chapter 35 then is in the process, um, verses 1 through 15. So let's read those and then we're going to jump into some points here. Uh, chapter 35, 1 through 15, it says, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar to God. So God is calling him back to this place where he met to him, with him several years before. Who appeared to you when you were fleeing your brother Esau? So Jacob said to his household and to all that were with him, Get rid of your foreign gods you have with you. Purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God. Who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have been and gone. So he gave Jacob all his foreign gods. They gave Jacob all their foreign gods that they had and the rings in their ears. And Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. So that jewelry was tied to worship of those other gods. Okay. Verse 5. Then they set out and the terror of God fell upon the towns that were with them so that nobody pursued them. So if you go back and read the previous chapter, you're going to find out that Jacob's sons wiped out a city, the city of Shechem, I believe, uh, because um, one of the men had raped their daughter, their sister. They raped their sister, and so they were deceptive. They had all the men get circumcised, and while they were still healing, they went into the city and killed them all. So... Jacob was concerned that something bad would happen to their family. And so God protected them. It says the fear of God came upon them and nobody pursued them. Verse 6, all the people with them came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar and called the place El Bethel because it was there that God had revealed himself to him as he was fleeing his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak tree outside of Bethel. So it's named there. After Jacob returned to, from Padamaran, God appeared to him again and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. You will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be called Israel. Okay? And so he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am the God Almighty. Be fruitful, increase in number. A nation and a community of your nations will come from you. And kings will be among your descendants. The land I give to Abraham and Isaac I'll also give to you. And I'll give you the land to your descendants after you. Then God went from him and at that place uh, where he had talked to him, verse 14, Jacob set up a pillar, stone pillar, at the place where God had talked with him. And he poured a drink offering, offering over it. He poured oil on it. And Jacob called the place where God had talked with him. He called it Bethel. 
So what was so special about Bethel? We don't know, do we? But it was definitely a sacred place. It was a thin place where Jacob connected with God, not just once, but several times. And his ancestors would also, it would be a place of worship. And it would get corrupted down through the years. But during Jacob's time, it was a place that they worshiped the God and came before him where God revealed himself uh, to Jacob and his family. So what are some things that we can pull out? And these are uh, in your Luke bulletin there, if you want to look there or just write them down, they'll be on the screen. So what are some things we can pull out here? First of all, God is not limited to physical location. Now, there is something about geography and where God meets with us, but he's not limited to physical location. So and I, we need to capture that because sometimes we think, you know what, I can only meet with God if I go to a certain, certain place, Right? And Jacob is fleeing from his brother. He's out in the middle of nowhere, close to a community, but he's in a remote area. And God, he has this powerful dream where God reveals who he is and the plans that Jacob, he had for Jacob. But it wasn't in a church building. It wasn't at the temple. It was out in the middle of the country. God is not limited to physical location. You know, God is just as likely to meet with you here as maybe out in the back 40. If I use that expression, you know what that means, right? Out in the back 40, right? Maybe out in, on a drive or taking a hike. You can meet with God just as much there as you can meet with Him. God is not limited to physical location. God is spirit, okay? And, you know, you even look at Moses, Moses is called to deliver the people of Israel. And where is that special moment? Where does that happen? In the temple? Where was it at? What was it? He's, he's taking care of sheep right out in the desert, right? And all of a sudden he sees something out there. He's going like, what is that? What was it? It was a burning bush. Moses says, wow, that's pretty cool. So he goes up. It's not, it's not burning up. It just keeps burning. It's kind of like, wow, that's a, that must be some good wood. It's not being burned up. So he goes over and looks at it, and all of a sudden, boom. God speaks to him out of the burning bush and says, take off your sandals because you are on holy ground. It became a sacred place. And I don't know if Moses ever went back to that place or not, but it was definitely a place where um, God revealed himself to Moses and called him to be the deliverer of the people of Israel. That was holy ground. So when I heard this, this term, thin place, I was in a class um, in the Blue Ridge Mountains outside Washington, D.C. It's about two miles. It's right by the Shenandoah Valley. Okay, you've heard of that. I don't know if you've ever been there. That was my first time actually driving through it. Okay, as I left D.C., I went through there. Very beautiful very beautiful, but I was in this Episcopal retreat center where we were meeting at for the week. My instructor used this term. She goes, you know, this by a lot of people is called a thin place. And she goes, uh, the Celtics, maybe the Keswicks referred to it as a thin place and places like that as a thin place. And, and so when she mentioned that, um, um, you know, I, um, I wasn't... Um, 
I was maybe a little skeptical, okay? Not that I was just was throwing it out there, but I was kind of like, you know, I was just kind of like, well, maybe, maybe not, you know? Maybe God has met with people there. Will he meet with me? But see, here's the deal, is that God did probably did meet with me there in a very powerful way. It really became a, a special place. So we're going to go through there um, on our trip out east. We're going to swing through there and uh, maybe spend a morning there. Um, because God did meet with me. It was the class. It was the people I was with. It was just the setting. But God did meet with me in a special way there, like he has never met with me any other place. It was unique. Um, and it became a sacred place for me. And so there are, there are places where God meets with us. And I look back just over my life, um, uh, the Bible camp up in North Dakota, where we, uh, we went growing up. And Marion's been there many times at the campground. But that's where I remember accepting Christ as my Lord and Savior at age five and being filled with the Spirit later on at age eight. And even before we went to, to Harvey that summer, we took a trip up to Alaska and then we came back. And before we went there for our first Sunday, I remember we were at family camp and just sensing God's presence and His anointing just as we went into that place. Uh, of ministry, uh, God's presence was powerful. That That's a sacred place for me. Now, it means nothing maybe to you, but maybe th- you have a similar thing where growing up, maybe there was a camp or maybe there was a church you were at. Those are sacred places. Um, you know, another place was in Harvey, and Marion probably rem- knows where this is at. It's on the west side of the highway there by the bridge. There's a fishing pier there. I used to like to go there and just in the afternoon and, and reflect and uh, maybe pray, but it was just kind of a beautiful view there um, that I used to like to go. It was a quiet place. Which leads to the second point. A sacred space is where we experience God face to face. Now, that expression is used a lot um, in reference to Moses and even Joshua, I think. And it's inferred here in our discussion here with Jacob that he talks with God. And now God is spirit, so he's not flesh and blood like you and I, is he? He's spirit. So it, it's a metamorphism, okay? It, you're, you're putting attributes of a human being with God and that we are talking to him face to face. In other words, I'm talking to God as if I was talking to Olivia, right? Okay, And looking at Olivia... I'm able to sit down and have a conversation. And that is when it's used in Scripture, it's meaning that people actually were able to have intimate, face-to-face conversation with God, even though God was spirit. That's pretty cool. You know, and there are times that we, I, I wish that we had that tangible presence of God every day, every moment. But often we, we go with the assurance that God's presence is with us and that even if we can't feel Him, or see Him, that we know He is with us, right? That's what we call walking by faith. But there also needs to be those times where, where we come before God, whether it's in our quiet time in prayer or driving down the road, and we just all of a sudden, boom, we sense that God is in the car with us. He's, he's standing by us. We maybe can't see Him, but it's kind of like, God's here. I can feel Him. I can sense Him. There are those times. And those times are precious and those are powerful. To me, that's what makes a sacred space a sacred space is that we know that this is holy ground and that God is here. 
Now, God is with us everywhere. He's spirit, right? And if we theologically look at Scripture, God is everywhere. And no matter where we go, David says, I can't escape God's presence. That's Psalms 139. He goes, no matter where I go, even if I go into hell itself, God is there. I can't escape God. So God is with us, but there are times, there's places where there's that tangible where we sense and feel the presence of God. Adam and Eve would would have that kind of experience as they would walk with God in the cool of the day. It says that God would come down in the cool of the day and walk with them in the garden. Isn't that just a beautiful picture? And, you know, when they sinned, it separated them from God. They were, they were removed from the garden. That intimacy that they had with God was, was gone. But right after that, you have the promise that God was going to send His Son. There's a promise in chapter 3 that God was going to send His Son to die on the cross for our sins. Why? Because God cherishes that fellowship with us just as much as we do with Him. Isn't that cool? God loves you so much that He was willing to send His Son to die on the cross so that He could have fellowship, face-to-face fellowship with you. I think that that's the part that still always gets me, folks, is that, you know what, I may sense my need for God, but the fact that God loves me so much that He went to great lengths so that He could have fellowship with me. I have my mistakes. I have my failures. I am just a human being. But God loved me so much that He put a plan in place so that I could continue to have fellowship with Him. Bethel was a special place for Jacob. It's where God would meet with him. The last point is discover your sacred place. What might be a sacred place for me might not be for you. In your journey with God, though, discover places that are meaningful. There's beautiful places out there. I think there's some places outdoors that it's hard not to think that God is not in that place. You go to the Grand Canyon and you see all the, how many have been to the Grand Canyon, right? Okay, that needs to be on your bucket list, all right? Go to the Grand Canyon. But you look out there and you even see the placard there. It says Psalms 19, I think. It says that the heavens are the handiwork of God, right? Declare His praises. But you look out over that and you just see the beauty that is there. And there are some places that it's kind of like, wow, you see the handiwork of God. It's hard not to say that God is present. I don't know what that place is for you, but it may be a place in your house. It may be a place in your backyard. It may be a place out in the country. It may be this place. So I remember getting a a text or a call a year or two ago. I think it was within the last year. And somebody says, hey, I I need a key to the church. And then when I found out the more details, they just had received unsettling news. And the first place that they wanted to come was to this place so that they could pray and seek God. Isn't that powerful? Because this was a sacred place for them where they felt like they could connect with God. And, um, and so maybe it's here. Maybe it, it, all I'm saying is there is something to those places where God connects with us. 
Any place can be meaningful to us. But when it becomes, when God is there and we connect with Him and we sense His presence, that becomes a little more of a sacred place to us, a thin place where we can connect with God. Amen? So I'm going to have the musicians come. My question for you this morning, what is your thin place or places? What are your sacred places? You fill in the blank. Where, go back to the place where you, was the most recent time where you just sensed God's presence and it was real? Think about that place. Uh, There's a place that I have stopped by a few times on the way to Omaha. And you probably have, how many have driven to Omaha? You've all driven to Omaha, right? Okay, and up on the right side, you cross the Platte River and up on the right side is this glass house. How many have seen it? You've all seen it, right? Yeah, you've all seen it. it, it it's, a, it's a Catholic uh, prayer site. It's called a, a roadside shrine is what it's called. And that the purpose behind them is that as people are traveling, it's a place where they can stop and connect with God. I mean, there's a beautiful understanding of that. And there's a little stream running through the middle of this chapel. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's pretty... And you, you look out. It's kind of cool because you can be sitting in the pews and you look out. And if you look straight ahead, you just see the, the, the Platte River bottom. You see the Platte River and it's just beautiful there. But then you kind of look down a little bit more and you see I-80. And it's just, you know, all the traffic. That's our life, right? Our life is just like busy, right? Chaotic. But you look up there and it's just beautiful. And I think that's what at times, God just needs to call us aside to connect with Him. Last time I was there was was right around Easter time. I went up there and uh, just spent a few moments in prayer. As I left, there was one older couple that came in just for a few moments, and then they left. But there was a lady, I don't know, maybe in her 40s, that was there. And uh, you could tell that there was a lot on her on her heart. I don't know what, but something something was going on in her life. And I thought, you know what? She's come to the right place. I don't know what she's going through, whether it's a financial thing, relationship, marriage. I, I don't know. But she had come there to meet with God. Sacred places. I'm looking forward to um, that time that we take out east. and Even Regent University did not mean anything to me, really. I didn't know where it was before I went there, okay? But God was just in that whole process. Um, the lady that called me up in the summer of 2016 called me up and said, hey, you know, are you interested? Yeah, I'm interested. That's something I've been looking at. And she goes, you know, we have this program where the church can kind of partner. And all of a sudden, everything kind of fell into place, which hadn't fallen into place before. Things fell into place. And I only went out there three times, twice to the university, once to Shrine Mont. But I can tell you, every time that I was there, God, there was just these divine moments that happened in my life. It was very much a God thing. Uh, 
I pray that you experience those along your journey and your pilgrimage to know God. Amen? Draw near to Him. Tonight would be an awesome time too if you just want to come back and we're just going to worship the Lord briefly, pray for our nation, pray for any requests, and just seek God. Sometimes we're just so busy that we just don't take an hour just to say, God, let me quiet, let, I'm going to quiet myself so that you can speak. I think God wants to speak, but we just, we just don't let give him that opportunity. Amen. Would you stand this morning? I'm going to just lead us in a prayer of salvation. I just always encourage you to pray along with me. Uh, but then I'm going to have a prayer just over you. So this morning, if um, you don't know Christ as your Lord and your Savior, maybe you're watching online or you're here and you just haven't verbalized that, Scripture says that if we believe in our heart and confess Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we shall be saved. Um, it seems so simple. So if, if that's your prayer this morning, and I'm just going to invite us all to pray together. Just say that together. Say, Dear God, come into my heart and into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Amen. And Father, this morning I pray for each one here. Lord, um, each person's made an effort to be here this morning. There's a lot of things people do on Sundays, and those that are here or those that are joining us online have taken that opportunity to be here, Father. And we just um, thank you for the fellowship. We thank you for the relationships. But Lord, I pray that we don't leave this morning without just sensing that you are in this place and that you are here to meet with us. And um, we give you the thanks. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Father, this morning, we just thank you that we can gather in your name. I pray that as we go through this week, Lord, your presence goes with us um, at work, at play, Lord God our homes. Let your presence be there as we meet with you. Uh, go with us this week and bless our even our time this afternoon, this evening, we pray. We give you the thanks and the praise and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless this morning. Greet each other as you leave. If you see a new face, uh, maybe find out. Uh, we did have a family that has um, moved into Friend, Nebraska from South Dakota and Pastor Andy and I and Amy and Lizzie, we helped them unload Friday night. So hopefully you'll be seeing them. So if you see them, uh, uh, Phil's been with us a few times, but they got the whole family moved down. So uh, welcome them as they come. So God bless you this morning. Greet each other, other as you leave.